0: This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we talk forest and prairie grouse hunting with Dave Lassard from the Under 40 Yards YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 204. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've got a great show coming up with Dave Lessard from the Under 40 Yards YouTube channel. We'll get to that in just a moment. Happy New Year, everybody. And thank you to Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast. Your continued support of the show is greatly appreciated. And new this week for Patreon patrons, got a sneak peek at A little video project, a little video project I contributed on with Nick Adair of the Gundog It Yourself podcast. He's launching a video series over at GDIY, and when he and the boys from the Southern Outdoorsman podcast were up at my cabin last year, feels weird to say that now, I guess, in the fall of 2022, we took one of the days we all went on a hunt together to help Nick out with the pilot episode of this series, so to speak. That has been finished. And it is viewable now for Patreon patrons of the Birdshot podcast and GDIY podcast. That being one of the benefits that Patreon patrons of the show get, in addition to being eligible for monthly giveaways, of which I've got a winner to announce on today's show as well. Discounts on things like Upland Institute and Gumleaf USA, bonus content like the video, and a little welcome gift pack for new patrons, can coolers, and Birdshot podcast stickers. And this being the first episode in January, we do have a winner to announce of last month's giveaway. Winner being Rich W., winner of the signed set of traditional side-by-side parts one and two books from author Doug Stewart, who we interviewed last month. So I will be connecting Rich with Doug, those books over his way. And we'll just remind you that if you are interested in contributing to the show, Above and Beyond, which you already do by listening, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for considering that. And another reminder to leave a rating, review, subscribe, follow the show. If you're new listening, any of those little things you can do, just take a moment and are very helpful to the Birdshot podcast. So always appreciate that. And if you didn't catch this on the last episode, another reminder that Onyx Hunt, now available on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Heard from a handful of listeners at least when I mentioned it on the last episode that they went ahead and tried it in their vehicle and said it was awesome. I have yet to do so in mine since I some days have Apple CarPlay and some days do not, depending on if the aftermarket stereo system and cable in my 2007 Toyota Sequoia want to work. So have yet to try it myself, but have heard it's awesome. So if you have Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, and hopefully you got Onyx, if you don't, you should do that. And if you need to get Onyx, use the code BSP20, to save 20% on your subscription. Once you have it, go check it out on Apple CarPlay. All right, one last thing before we get to today's episode. I have been asked a bunch now in the last week or so, will I be at Pheasant Fest? And the answer is yes. I am very excited to be at Pheasant Fest. Looking forward to it. I will be there primarily on Upland Gun Company business. We will have a booth at the show. We are very excited about it as a company. This will be the biggest event we have been to yet. And again, exciting in our case, because there are still many people that have yet to even have a chance to see the shotguns and a whole bunch of folks will be able to do so at Pheasant Fest. So look for the Upland Gun Company booth at Pheasant Fest and you will likely find me if I'm not there. I may be over at the Onyx Hunt slash Final Rise combo booth. Find one of those two places and you'll probably find me and I'm looking forward to reconnecting with lots of familiar faces and meeting a bunch of new ones. So Pheasant Fest coming up next month in February. Looking forward to that. Hope to see you there. All right, let's get into the episode today. We have Dave Lissard from the Under 40 Yards YouTube channel. If you're like me, my local hunting seasons are now officially closed. Today being January 12th. And I have been transitioning into the off season and dealing with a little bit of those post season blues by watching some YouTube videos of other bird hunting adventures. And one of those people is Dave Lessard of the Under 40 Yards YouTube channel, who you will meet and learn a whole lot more about today if you're unfamiliar with him and his work. We talk a lot about rough grouse hunting. That's what Dave grew up doing. In the last couple of years, he has started to make a western prairie grouse hunt. So we talk a little bit about that. And Towards the end of the show, the last 20 minutes or so, we briefly start talking about the YouTube channel a little bit and then get into some technical stuff regarding GoPros and cameras and some things that may not interest everybody out there listening. So, Just wanted to give you a heads up. That's about the last 20 minutes or so. I will say, and I think I mentioned in the show today, when I do talk about the GoPro and other stuff on the show, I get asked plenty of questions about it. So I know there are folks out there interested, but I know that's not the primary reason that everybody comes to listen to the birdshot podcast. And I understand that. So just wanted to give you a heads up. That's what we tend to talk about towards the end of the show. So if you decide to tune out, then no big deal. You're just going to miss the giveaway for the free upland gun company shotgun. Just kidding. No giveaways. You're not going to miss anything. And Dave and I will understand if you cut out before the end, but Thanks for joining us today. With that said, let's welcome into the conversation and on to the Birdshot Podcast from the Under Forty Yards YouTube channel, Dave Lassard We're rolling, buddy. This is the Birdshot Podcast, and we are joined today by Dave. Now, I'm gonna—I didn't ask you this in the in the pre-call here, but is it Lasard?
1: That's right. Yeah, All right. you just, got it right.
0: Just the way it looks. Yep. How are you tonight, buddy?
1: I'm doing great, Nick. Excellent. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pleasure to pleasure to have you on. I got I got to thank you. It's uh, I have been dealing a little bit with the off season blues, I guess you could say. I did uh, <laughs> I did sneak out hunting on Sunday, which was probably in all likely the the optimist in me does not want to say officially but it probably was my last (laughs) hunt of the season uh but i've been uh i've been enjoying some of your youtube videos of late
1: (laughs) all right thank you Yeah, i'm I'm kind of facing the same situation this week so
0: yeah here we
1: go (laughs) yeah yeah
0: well before we get into all that why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are where you're from and uh the under 40 yards channel
1: All right. Uh, My name is Dave Lessard, and uh, I live in north-central Illinois, uh,
0: Rockford area,
1: and uh, I run a YouTube channel called Under 40 Yards. It's primarily upland hunting. It's been around uh, about eight or ten years now, almost, and uh, started with a a little Vishla pup, and we kind of grew it into video after video, and, you know, now it's a now it's an addiction sort of just like hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the channel uh, <laughs> the channel continues to evolve and stuff and you do you have you have a professional skill set in in video editing. Am, am I getting that right? I know we've chatted quite a bit over the years but
1: I don't I a, strictly a hobby okay, actually. Okay. It's, okay. It started I had a, a little bit of a, a um some things at work that we were doing to help with some training. Uh, that okay. I got involved with some it's it's kinda where the video editing started, but it's really just an interest. You know, I had two small kids and a camcorder and uh, you know, just started cutting up video and it just evolves after that and you just get better and better and, you know, try to increase your skill set every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very so. cool. Well yeah, we're we'll talk a little bit about that. And you know, last week I don't we you and I Chatted, we you listened to my interview with Nick Martin, who is also somebody that is he's putting some videos up on YouTube. And again, it's it's one of the things that personally I turn to a little bit this time of year just to kind of live vicariously through some others. And it's uh it's cool and there's more of it popping up. And I will say every time I talk about with my guests on the show, if we start, if we check, I try not to mix too much of it in like the whole GoPro thing, because it's not for everybody. That's not what everybody is out there yeah. doing, but I will say I get quite a bit of questions and, and people curiously asking about that kind of gear setup and everything. So we'll definitely pick your brain. And I, I think I've said this before on the show, but I just sort of my personal take on it is that the technology is only going to get better and better, both from a hardware perspective and a soft the software side of things as far as like cataloging and editing and putting this stuff together so i kind of i kind of got over the hurdle of just okay i'm going to start capturing this not knowing fully what i'm going to do with it but you know we all know how fast technology moves i mean five ten years from now who knows what sort of software or something might be able to go back and sort of catalog some of these videos and these sides do you have any do you think about that at all dave
1: I I do. I mean, I've seen, you know, since the channel started, I started it in about, I think 2014 officially. Uh, but I had been doing some video work before that, you know, just family stuff. And, um, then the cameras weren't, the the cameras have come so far just in the last three or four years, even especially GoPro, you know, I started with a a GoPro three and, um, it, it was a good camera but you know the stabilization wasn't there yep. um so you know you've you've everybody's watched plenty of older videos that um you know you're, you're a little head sick after you watch them yeah. because of the
0: shake but they should put a motion sickness warning <laughs> <on> the... <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> right now there's you can do some of that stuff in post um but you, you suffer some loss of the quality because it does a crop basically it, it has to crop out um and youtube itself has a stabilization system inside of it if you choose to use it it's it's mostly awful so i I never use it um there's really no need to today with the with the modern gopros um their stabilization is so good yeah it's um it's really a game changer it's to me it's taking the hunting genre and just legitimized it to a certain degree because of that technology um, not only stabilization, but the horizon leveling.
0: Yes. Um, yep.
1: That's that's a, a key
0: component to it. Yeah, I, I do remember before I got my first, well, I had a GoPro 4. I remember talking to you about all this and that I tried it once or twice. I actually got, I think, like one of the first birds I ever killed over Hartley on it. And I know I've told this story before, so I won't belabor it here. But that was just, you know, again, any sort of quick, sudden movement or whatever you know it was very jarring the footage and stuff and then eventually uh, somebody tipped me off you know five six years later the the gopro i think six is what that was the first one that you had with the stabilization is that correct
1: yeah six uh five was actually the first one they came out with it um i waited a year i typically wait every three models and then i'll invest and uh, i feel like that's a good spacing in general yeah Um, So the six was a little bit improved, and that's really where things started to change. But even using the six today compared i use a nine primarily now um it's you know it's frustrating you know because it's just not as good but at the time it was excellent right you know yeah so it's just the, the sign of the times
0: yeah yeah and just leaps and bound improvement you just think back you know whether it's an iphone or a gopro or whatever it is it's just this stuff yep. this stuff goes advances so fast but yeah so that being that being the case and again for capturing stuff like this in the field, you know, not everybody cares to nor whatever consider having, like, a cameraman hanging over their shoulder. So because of that, yeah. you know, you 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 got all these cool moments that happen to yourself, it, it happen to you in the field. And, of course, we have our memories and we all think back fondly and maybe some folks even keep a journal. But now you can kind of capture this stuff pretty easily. And, and that's the one thing that I've talked yeah. about is, like, being able to run the camera with a few little tips and tricks so that it is not a total drag as far as like an experience of using it you know it's pretty seamless and i use it all the time and because of that you capture stuff and as i've talked with nick adair a lot like a lot of times you rewatch this stuff and you it it really shows how your actual recollection of the sequence of events is not always true when you watch that on the video Do do you have stuff like that happen quite a bit
1: all the time yeah um, is it crazy I, I like to say video is very honest and <laughs> yes. it, 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 it's, it's hard to fake um you know you can of course you can edit out your sloppy moments right. and your misses and I, and I do that um i try to keep it as realistic as the hunt went you know i mean everybody misses i show the misses yeah and um you know i don't show all of them but you know when you play back those moments and, you know, let's say you, you're hunting with a buddy and, and boy, you didn't realize you were as close to him as you were yeah. um, in, in the action. And, um, you know, of course, you know, some people may comment on that, but when you're in the action if and if you're putting a camera on your head and you're in that situation, it will really surprise you when you play it back and go, wow, I had no idea that... <laughs> that this person was this close or that situation maybe wasn't as safe as i thought yeah um but, but typically your instincts as a hunter you know you're just you're aware of your surroundings and and at the time in the moment it's really not a problem you know and the, and the camera can make things look closer or worse than they are yes especially, especially when you have a wide a lens like on the gopro It may show someone that looks like they're in line with you, but in reality, there's lots of space between you. So, it's not—it's honest in the sense of the playback, but it it may not be honest in in the perspective 100%. So, um, I try—I try to convey that.
0: Yeah, that's a very very good point to bring up. And actually I noted that in one of your uh in your I think it was in part one of the Montana Sharp video, yes. there was a there was a shot there where you kinda commented, you know, for the safety police out there this was yep, this was exactly empty. and so like two separate things there. Yeah, I lo- I like the saying the camera's honest especially Especially when it comes to like sequence of events, like did the dog move before the bird or what, what exactly happened there? And I've, I've, I've gained a lot of insight with that, but exactly like you said, and if you mess around behind the scenes at all with a GoPro and you lived a moment in real life, so you know what it looked like. And then you go and watch on the GoPro, like you (laughs) said, that wide angle, it's the, And you could speak to this more than me, but it condenses. I think it like condenses the amount of visual information on the screen, so it makes everything look closer together than it actually was in real real life. Is that how you would describe it?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And you, one thing is in your mind, you may think, "Boy, that was perfect dog work" or whatever, because it was just a great. Maybe you made a nice shot, and the, the setup was nice. You play it back, and you realize well, he got, you know, the dog wasn't as steady as I thought he was, or, or, you know, maybe his tail was flagging or, or something like that. And, you know, it kind of brings you back to reality because, you know, your brain remembers something different than what the camera sees a lot of times. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the bigger takeaways for me. And that was something that Nick and I talked about, I think it was on one of our bonus episodes recently, but the I'm assuming it all has to do with sort of your heightened state of awareness and like you've got a little shot of adrenaline, we got flushing birds and you get that, uh, almost tunnel vision focus. But like you, I think it's cool to point out, like you're, if you're a seasoned hunter and you've been doing it a lot, you are doing a lot instinctually and you have a, you have an awareness of where the dog is, where your hunting partner is. So you're kind of going with your gut and your instincts and you're, you're just acting out of instinct really in that. And then, then when you watch it back, it's, it's just really unique, but that tunnel vision, I think that heightened state of focus, that's what kind of like crosses the wires in your brain a little bit when you go back and try to recollect things like our, and this has been proven over and over again, as far as like, you know, eyewitness testimony in court and stuff like eyewitness, eyewitnesses and your, recollection of events is is not all that reliable when it comes to a lot of the stuff so that's it's kind of cool to see how that plays out in the hunts it
1: is it, it, a lot of times uh, you know i think most of the times you're you're probably disappointed more than you are <laughs> right, right. the other way you know um <laughs> just because you always want to remember especially when you're hunting you know and you're in your best moment this is your time yeah um but but there are times where where i thought boy that that sequence wasn't very good the dog work wasn't very good and i go back and play it and and realize that, you know, the camera saw the dog before my eyeballs, and he actually did very well. And uh, so it, it definitely goes both ways. Right, but right, yeah. It, it, it changes the way you hunt a little bit because you think about things a little bit more, and, and I kind of think it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, I think Nick um... – Adair said he was like, sort of like, you know, game tape of, of you know, a football game or something. It's like, you know, you exactly. kind of watch this stuff and you get a little little insight out of it. And obviously, to each their own, you can kind of do with it what you will. But um, yeah. I've, I got a lot of value out of it. And, and some of that visual stuff, just kind of knowing I've got those things saved, you know, certain, like, you know, my two dogs seeing birds pointed and killed over them. It's just really, really cool to know that you'll kind of have that forever. So it's,
1: it's invaluable. I mean, you'll find it with your kids. I mean, I have just hundreds of videos of kids and over the years, it's just, you know, you can't replace that stuff. So
0: it's, um, you know,
1: for you right now, you're living in in the best time because the equipment's way better than it was 10, 15 years ago. So,
0: yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Just like, obviously I've got young kids one and four and the, you know, i my parents have, they have a lot of pictures and stuff, but man, just, I can just scroll back through the past two, three years on my iPhone li- and like the, the videos and like the live moments that, that we all have now. It's just, it's incredible really. And it it's is. It's like, it's just nothing, you know, cause you just, it's, it's brand new technology one day. And then a week later you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's how it works now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yep. yeah
0: well where did uh where did this whole obsession slash addiction start for you dave let's go back to the beginning what's the dave origin story and i and i as i ask <laughs> you that i'm gonna i'm gonna crack open a beer and and pour one here i don't always do this during the podcast <laughs> but being that the season is is kind of over this is this is kind of my toast to the to the hunting season here so
1: and we're both uh you know rough <laughs> grouse hunters so it's Indeed. appropriate
0: yeah exactly <laughs> So
1: so my story um, started with the bird. You know, you kind of ask if, if it was a dog or the bird. It yeah. was, for me, it was definitely the bird um, and my connection to northern Wisconsin. My, uh, my father grew up up there, born and raised in, in the Hayward area okay. um, on the Chippewa flowage. Um, my grandfather was a muskie fishing guide ah. on the flowage. So my father grew up inside the uh, resort uh, where his grandmother also, she technically owned the business. And um, so once he went, he graduated high school, he went into service and then moved to Illinois. And I grew up in Illinois, but obviously our connections up there are, are deep and I have a lot of family in that area. And uh, so we spent, you know, all the time we could up there. Um, My father ended up retiring from down here in Illinois or escaping as he calls it, (laughs) which I I believe is accurate from Illinois. So, um, and uh, they built a place up there is where I go now. Um, But we, we grew up, I I grew up, I think my story is, I think very similar to yours. And I've, I've heard your story. I've been listening to since episode one. So I've heard your story a few (laughs) times. I may have missed a few in there, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's gotta be pretty close to to every one of them. But, um, I grew up a partridge hunter like you, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of two tracks, we walked and we drove, we did road hunting. We did, uh, we didn't have dogs, um, until a little bit later, So we were partridge hunters and that's what my grandfather called them. I didn't even know they were called a grouse until I was probably, you know, 16, 17, honestly. It was just, it was never said. And the first time I heard it, I thought, what the hell are you talking about? You know, (laughs) and uh, my father, grandfather, my grandfather never uttered those words. You know, it was always partridge to him. So um, uh, I think my dad first, uh, first brought it up. So Um, but we hunted up, I I used to go with my dad, walk along with him. And in those days he would, it just seemed like, you know, when you're a kid, 10 years old, a mile seems like 10 miles, right. When you walk. So, you know, the way I remember it is we must've walked 40 miles a day, (laughs) (laughs) but obviously that wasn't true, but (laughs) man, it it sure seemed like it, you know, with your little legs, but I would just follow him. And I finally got my hunter's ed done, um, when I was, 13 i somehow i missed the 12 year old age i don't know the classes were full or something uh so the first year i hunted was when i was 13 i carried a shotgun okay and um you know my first bird was uh sitting in a tree or sitting in a ditch um yeah i, re- I remember the f- one of the first ones i shot you know i had this old my grandfather gifted me uh an old remington auto 12 gauge full choke fixed (laughs) and uh i just turned that bird inside out you know it was just partridge (laughs) water (laughs) it was just a bird was a bag of feathers when i got done with it but it was it was at that shot you know you're just like wow this is incredible and uh from there on out we were we went every year and typically we would go for like a week in october yeah um and um i had down here in illinois my i had an uncle that um he had kind of a a small kennel of german shorthairs um he must have had i I say small he probably had eight or ten dogs and uh, but he wasn't a professional breeder he was just a bird hunter and um he took me out to preserve maybe when i was 11 it was before i could hunt so i was just walking along with him and my father and and uh he put those dog two or three dogs on the ground and the first time i saw a short hair point i was like what in the hell is
0: that i had never seen anything like it before and it was just probably the coolest thing you'd ever seen since the first time you saw a partridge exactly i mean <laughs> it was just
1: like what is that i didn't know what they were doing and then the whole sequence of events uh came and went and i, I think we we're hunting shucker and um you know the dog retrieved it and i thought wow so yeah my uncle, uh, he, his place was just down the street from us, about a, less than a mile away. And so I'd spend a lot of time over there with those dogs. And my parents were not dog people, and um, especially my mother. So my father grew up with springers. They always had a Springer. And uh, so he always kind of wanted a dog, but I think my mom was the, the block. And uh, somehow they they convinced my uh, my uncle convinced him to give me a, a short hair puppy when I was about 12, oh, wow. 12 or 13. So it was just the time I was starting to hunt and, uh, that dog kind of changed everything, you know, as far as, you know, we didn't know what we we're doing with it. Right. Uh, we had no idea how to train it. Um, I don't know that my uncle was a good trainer either, but we certainly didn't know what we were doing. So we made every mistake in the book, uh, <laughs> The dog. I mean, looking back on it, at the time you don't think you're making a mistake. Right. But you know, knowing what I know now, I look back and go, oh, "My God, what what was going on there?" You know. Um, yeah. But the, the natural ability of the dog was, you know, undeniable, and um, he was just he turned into kind of a neighborhood menace, you know, <laughs> he, we had some neighbors with some chickens and, uh, oh boy. uh, you know, he kind of exterminated a good portion of the guy's chickens and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he's a German dog. So he, he killed everything in sight, everything he saw possum squirrel, not cats, uh, cat. I don't know that he ever got a cat, you know, maybe they're a little too quick for him, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> He, he would bring fox back to the house and, and plop plop him down right on the patio and look at me oh uh, man just anything he could get his hands on so he was just a stone cold killer you know yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but loved people you know loved people and uh hated animals and fireworks he used to eat fireworks and bottle rockets and uh he was crazy you know just a crazy <laughs> dog
0: <laughs> oh man that's that's so, funny
1: he, he was not a very good grouse dog. I'll say that, but, but, uh, uh, we didn't use him a whole lot because his recall was non-existent and, uh, those are really the days before no e-collars. GPS collar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're talking, you know, in the mid eighties and, uh, it was kind of a mess when you took him out to the woods. So he only made a few trips with us. So we went back to partridge hunting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, yeah, I've heard that before and I think, I, I mean, I think gr- growing up, do- partridge hunting, as as you and I tend to call it, you know, without a dog, basically. Yeah. Um, and I've heard this from numerous people. And I think even when I got my first bird dog, there's a little friction between sort of the way you successfully go about partridge hunting versus hunting rough grouse mm. with a dog. Yeah, and uh, exactly. yeah, it's, you gotta, you gotta sort of, uh, you gotta approach things differently and uh, it's just, it doesn't work the same, exactly the same way. Y-
1: you do. I mean, if, if, if I'm being honest and, and someone will, I'm sure maybe have a problem with this, but if I wanted to kill more grouse, I would leave the dog in a truck and just walk a two track. I mean, uh, you know, we, we probably killed more birds that with that method um especially i have an uncle my dad's brother that was just an exceptional shot i mean i i still to this day have not hunted with anybody that could shoot like he could mm. um he would have the bird on the ground before i shouldered my gun and um so to him to hunt with a dog he kind of says why you know we're <laughs> right we're so successful doing it this way and um you know it is different but It's kind of your pursuit of perfection with the dog to me it it takes it to a different level because yeah you're going to miss opportunities he's going to bump birds especially rough grouse but um when it comes to woodcock it opens up in a whole new world right and obviously all the other species of prairie birds um to do it without a dog is just foolish but rough grouse you know rough grouse we could have a debate you know to be honest with you yeah Um, um but to me it it and I'm sure you'll agree, and everybody in the dog world has the same sentiment. The dogs create the drive to get your butt going and get out there. Um, you know, you just look at him, and you're doing it for him and you, and it just gives you more motivation. It's it's easier to sit at home when you don't have a dog staring at you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's the difference with, with hunting rough grouse with a dog to me, but.
0: Yeah. And I, and I would echo that, especially if you are, you know, if you are a dogless hunter and you are setting out to shoot a rough grouse, no matter where it is, be it on the ground, in a tree, on the wing, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that if you, all of a sudden you get your first bird dog, there's going to be a little dissonance there between sort of your birds in the bag with with and without the dog but the long like what I what the way it's played out for me and 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 again like nobody needs any convincing like sort of the element and and the appeal that the bird dogs add to the hunt like it's just it's just totally not the same looking back on on the way i used to do it but i i've learned so much more about the birds just because you you encounter so many more you find so many more because the dogs are finding them more so like the long-term upside potential of hunting with a dog has just you know erased any any of those kinds of thoughts and then the other thing is like there's just i mean no no matter no partridge bagged is ever as cool or as memorable as a dog that has the perfect bird dog hunter interaction you know dog, dog points and you get the flush, you, you drop, the, I mean, that is, that's the pinnacle, whether it's a pointy dog or a flushing dog, it's just when you have all three of those things in tandem and the end result is, is a bird in the bag or not, or not a bird in the bag, you know, it could still be pretty yeah. damn memorable. Yeah. The bird flying away i mean that's that 's what we're all chasing, I think
1: yeah that, I mean that memory with the dog is going to stick with you longer than when I was walking a two track by myself or with my brother or my uncle, and we took a bird now you know there's scenarios that Um, you know, funny things happen in the woods, right? All the time. And uh, whether you're with a dog or not, funny things happen that you always remember. I mean, we have, you know, just a a lot of those types of stories, but, yeah. um, but being with that dog just, it just makes it different.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. A couple things on the, on the dogless grouse hunting, because actually I don't get asked all the time, but we, we have brought it up a little bit and there are people that, you know, not everybody out there has a dog and there are, People that listen to the show without dogs and they i've been it's been suggested to hey you should do an episode on on hunting grouse without a dog and yeah I mean, a lot of the stuff we talk about does apply but i yes. will I will ask you actually, I was going to say talking about memories I still like i 've got oddly vivid memories from my first grouse hunt and I remember the first grouse that ever flushed we were My dad, my uncle, and I think my cousin were walking down a two track, just like kind of you're describing, we're just walking down Mm -hmm. and there was a little balsam tree, you know, right in front of us. And as you grouse hunt long enough and this will happen to you, there's a bird right under this balsam tree and it explodes (laughs) at all of our feet, you know, and flies straight down the trail. And. I think my dad might have maybe raised his gun, did not fire a shot. And I just remember being the little kid without a gun, like, why didn't you shoot? Why didn't you shoot? You know, it's like it's, like it's so easy. Yeah. And my dad yeah, right, just probably right. just kind of shrugged his shoulders like like the same reason nobody else got a shot because that's what rough grouse do.
1: Exactly, exactly. Except for my uncle, you know, he was the guy that that had the bird on the ground. And and when he would, you know, when I was younger, he would let me shoot sometimes, right? And he would say, you know, shoot, shoot, (laughs) what are you doing? You know, what do you do? The biggest biggest enemy in in rough grass hunting is hesitation. And uh, and, and every new hunter that I take out, um, whether it's family members or friends, first time they do it, Um, you know you hear the explosion and you just freeze (laughs) and you know you sometimes you just got to sling lead it it only takes one pellet to bring down a grouse you know i always say they're um, hard to hit but easy to kill right and um it it doesn't take a lot to bring the bird down to the ground and and uh, you just got to put lead in the air but the great thing about rough grouse to me is it's one of the few upland birds that you can easily hunt without a dog you it's the least amount of equipment I feel like of any upland bird that there is really, you just need a shotgun, a decent pair of shoes or boots and and that's it. Orange Um, cap.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And an orange cap, um, you know, we had the cheap game hide vests or whatever. You, You don't, you don't need a lot, just a box of shells and you can just go and have some fun, but there's not a lot of birds that you can do that with, you know? Um,
0: yeah, like like you said, you walk in those, you know, you walk those two tracks, and uh, you'll inc- you'll encounter, you know, you'll you'll start, you'll flush one or you'll see mm-hmm. one standing in the trail. I mean, you can get you can get close to grouse without a dog, and that is one of the things that's appealing. and made it very accessible to me when I was younger, yeah, and and exactly. you, you as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't. I probably wouldn't be doing it, you know, otherwise. But yeah, um, you know, who knows?
0: What's your what are your top tip? Anything come to mind? If you were to yeah, the dog's taken away, you had to go out grouse hunting tomorrow. What would you do?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. I would get the uh at least a skeet choke or cylinder yeah. um, I would shoot um seven and a halfs or eights um, yeah. um, I like a little bit quicker, shell, you know we used to shoot um you know I shoot mostly twelve gauge, so um we used to shoot you know the thirteen thirty ounce and a quarters a lot, um which is really it's too much. Um, you don't really need that. I like a little, f- yeah, yeah, yeah. I like ounce and an eighth, Twelve fifties are, are pretty good load for grouse, um, because we're, we're crossing that with Woodcock too. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Woodcock, you're just gonna, you're just gonna knock the hell out of them with anything more than that. So,
0: right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Ton of pellets. Right. Yeah. So that's what I would
1: recommend. But, but if you you're, know,
0: yeah. When it comes to like actually, you know, hitting that two track or like, like what are you, what are you doing?
1: I'm just walking, picking a side and, um, I'm looking for, um, you know, the cover is not going to be, it's something that's kind of learned. So if you're just Mm -hmm. starting out, you know, ideally find someone that that knows how to do it, that can mentor you uh, to a certain degree, but it won't take long for you to get an eye for the cover. You know, you just, the term, it looks birdie or it looks grousey, just kind of comes naturally as you kind of learn the cover that they're in. Yep. And, um, and just be patient, you know, expect to be humiliated. Yeah. You know, don't expect success. In fact, the first 10 times you go out, you're probably not going to come back with anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it took me, I think, I think I was 14 by the time I first shot one on the wing or maybe, maybe 15, 14 or 15. It was probably my second or third season. And I had that dog that short hair of ours with us. And uh, he really wasn't involved with the whole scene. He was just there. Um, I shot the bird, and it kind of came out of a spruce up above. And I knocked it into, like, a little uh, slough water, and I thought, oh, perfect. We got the dog here to go get it. And he just stood there and looked at me.
0: <laughs> so we you, mean, up... you hadn't worked on like blind water retrieves yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that
1: wasn't uh, yeah, that wasn't in the training uh, regime <laughs> schedule back then. So uh, uh, we had to fish it out. But, you know, it, it's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of just reaction. And um, it's yep. snap shooting. So you can go in, and go to the range and shoot and, and shoot some trap or skeet. And, uh, you know, that's certainly not going to hurt you, um, but it, it becomes instinctual. You know, the shooting is different. Like if I'm shooting, you know, pheasant, I'm, I'm obviously I'm shooting in a different way. It's a little more deliberate, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with rough grouse, it's, it's, there's definitely technique to improve your, your skills, but it's mostly your brain and your two eyeballs uh, working with you. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, you're just yeah, yeah, you're feeling the pressure to to do things quickly and and yeah. that can be a recipe for disaster unless you <laughs> unless you practice and you know I mean it's yeah, I one of my buddies I he's uh, much older than than I and he's one of my uh, one of my grouse hunting mentors he's been doing it for a long time decades and he's like mm-hmm. you know he still gets unsettled by a grouse or or misses an easy shot and I'm just like I yeah. <laughs> I always joke like I never know whether to be like to sort of say, okay, you know, it still happens to Scott, don't worry about it. Or man, like, am I never going to get any better at like, this is going to be like this for the next 30 years, but it never gets any less fun. So,
1: right. It's, uh, you know, everybody has off years too. I mean, the last uh, two years, I feel like my shooting has really suffered for whatever reason, but, um, you know, it just comes and goes. I've had those years I've been, I've been hunting. This was actually my 35th year, believe it or not, hunting grouse.
0: That's so cool.
1: and uh you know i can remember some of those years in college you know in the early 90s um or sorry the the late 90s mid 90s and uh there was some of those cycle down years that man we didn't see any birds i mean we saw i remember going one year i don't think i only had a three day weekend because of school um i think i fired the gun once Mm. you know it's just it was it was really down so um if you if you're lucky enough to hit top of the cycle you know that that's a whole debate in its own i right, think but right. um there is something to it there's definitely something to the cycle the 10-year cycle so yeah and I, I know you've discussed this a million times so i won't rehash it but um if you can if you can conveniently get into it at the height you know maybe you're gonna right. you're gonna stick with it a little bit longer who knows
0: yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. the po- the populations do fluctuate and yeah, there absolutely is
1: yeah. at least
0: historically there was some rhythm to it. Um, yes, where that where yeah. that stands today uh, it seems to be getting a little bit less clear but it, um, yeah
1: i would yeah. i would totally agree i i remember the 98 99 years was was for the books yeah, uh, from okay. my my point of view um, 2010 was also 9 and 10 were, were also pretty good but this last cycle i don't know i don't know if i really saw it you know it was a
0: little little more murky but... well i i mean i would say and this is kind somewhat anecdotal but the last two seasons were good to great, I would say for me yeah, yeah. and that's, and we're technically beyond where we should be for the peak of the cycle. Um, right. And as we were leading up to it's, it's usually zero and nine years that end in zero or nine are kind of around the peak, but even th- it's not exactly, like, you don't mark your calendar yeah. for, for 2030 now and say, that's, I'm going to go grouse hunting in 2030. You know, it's just, exactly. that's not really yeah. how it works, but um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, and, of course, I pay more attention to it now.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's that's another thing that, that the dogs bring is yeah. is that, that the level of um, study that you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, podcasts like yours are, are really an eye-opener, too. So these these are great resources that didn't exist when, right. you know, I was uh, in my 20s. Um, he's just – you could read some books or whatever, but it's it's not quite
0: the same, yeah you know. the our access information is is certainly unprecedented and that will uh only continue to evolve so
1: right um, it's right. pretty
0: cool and and you know again, tying in the the videos the video side of things is a i mean imagine being a, somebody that wants to take up grouse hunting tomorrow you know between. All of the old books and everything that did exist before—you've got that. You've got you've got podcasts. You can go listen to conversations people talk about grouse hunting. And as my buddy Ben Bredigan from OnX, he always likes to say, you know, go look up, search rough grouse hunting in whatever state you want to go, and just go look at some of the cover that these people. I mean, you yeah. can actually get a visual of where these birds are. So a lot of lot Absolutely. of resources for the new hunter or the person that wants to get back into it or just simply learn more so that's pretty cool
1: yeah it's very accessible I, I think back even you know i had some friends that hunted back like in grade school but i was definitely the weirdo you know if, if you want to look at it that way like you know what is partridge hunting you know i would go on these trips and and my buddies they just their families weren't into it right yeah. um i grew up in the far north suburbs of chicago it wasn't you know it's a small town but it was still not a super rural area, but not an urban area. Sure. But it, it just wasn't part of uh, the culture like it is in maybe where you live in Duluth or, or in Northern Wisconsin, where we go. It's just more part of the life. So, you know, it's those people around you that have a huge impact on, yep. on what you do. And if you're just not, uh, you don't have that uh, group of people around you, you're going to do it Maybe a little bit less than you would. So, yeah. But at least today, you know, the information being available, it does kind of take out some of that, um, some of those barriers, I, I feel like, um, yeah. because, you know, there's more of a community. Even though we don't all know each other um, personally, we're all interacting with each other today.
0: Yeah. 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 People, you can, you can network a lot easier, get in contact with people right. and, yeah. I just thinking about, I mean, so much of what I did and whether this was just, you know, somewhat being sort of younger and, and you just go about things a little bit differently at that stage in life. But I mean, so much of what I did was trial and error. Whereas like now yeah. I'm so much more strategic and I mean, just take a, take a look at a tool like OnX, the access to information you have there as far as like, okay, where can I hunt? And then beyond you know it started with where can i hunt where's the public land now you've got you got forestry data and you've got information in there that you can mm. be so much more strategic whereas when i was younger it it was we were driving around in areas that you know i generally knew to be outside <laughs> of the city and forested land and like i was looking for any kind of a two track or something that looked halfway decent that didn't say no hunting, but I, I had no, right, idea. Right. I, I didn't know if it was public or private. I, mean, I didn't know anything. As long as it exactly. didn't say, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk past a no trespassing sign, but other than that, it's like, okay, I'll walk down here and see if we can find yeah, anything. And it, as you were pointing out earlier, just you flush more and more grouse, you begin to, you begin to start to, your brain just naturally sort of, associates whatever that habitat looked like right there. And the next yeah. time you walk through a patch of cover like that, you're like, okay, that's, that looks birdie, you know, like you just yep, yep. connect those dots sort of uh, organically, I guess.
1: Yeah. Onyx is, a, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. I, I can't say enough good things about it, um, but there is a kind of a catch 22. Like you, like you just said, is when I first got on X, you know, this is going back a few years now there was a a few uh, instances of disappointment because I pulled up in a spot that I thought was public. I had been hunting for years. um, And it turns out, wow, I, I had no idea. You know, we had, we used to use the gazetteer all the time. I'm sure you did years ago. We had, we had a gazetteer in every vehicle. And then my dad had the plot books that were a little more detailed and we would look at those, but you know, you're looking at those in the kitchen counter And then you jump in the truck and you get in the car and even if you have it with you, you really don't know where the hell you are that's anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so so
1: yeah. you're kind of like, ah, this might be good or this might not be good. You know, Alex doesn't lie to you and it says, you know, you're, you're on public or, or you're not. And you're right. Man, you're, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I had to give up a few roads because now I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, it, you know, it can burn you a little bit too, but
0: yeah. And that's a, that's actually a, for, for, people that hunt in Minnesota and or Wisconsin. That's a slight distinction in the states where Wisconsin, you cannot hunt private. I mean, if it's private land, even if it's not posted, you cannot hunt it. That's not the case in Minnesota as far as I understand, unless this has changed. But in the northern part of Minnesota, essentially the non-agricultural part, If it's in the forested region of the state and something is not posted, you can hunt it even if it's private land. So, um, interesting. I don't, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend people take that and try to go hunt (laughs) private land. I mean, I still spend, I don't think I, I don't think I hunted, I probably have not hunted unposted private land in minnesota in since i knew what i was doing like like now that i know where i am like i'm on public land all the time i I probably still wouldn't go hunt private land but i just i always knew reading the that regulation in in the minnesota regs it's it's kind of oddly written to be honest but um, right just to throw that out yeah there there,
1: some of the details too in, in wisconsin are um, you know, they have they have forest crop or managed forest crops. Right. So you're you're putting your your private land into a, a tax break, and uh, by doing that, you're you're not allowed to post it. It's it's yep. open for hunting. Now the plat books don't always show that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then years ago, people would post it anyway yep. because who's going to enforce it, right? So a guy's got a couple hundred acres of of prime whitetail cover that he's got in forest crop and he hangs no trespassing signs on it. Yeah. Um technically that's illegal but it, it's so hard to uh, research it and find out you'd really have to right. you know go through a lot of effort to uh, to point that out but um you know it'd be a 3 hour hour argument on the side of the road with a DNR uh, warden or something but Yeah. Um, but so we, we used to see that all the time because we would get the plat book that would show that. And, uh, you kind of know the guys were, were posting their forest crop land.
0: Right. Yep. But yeah. That, that's a, that's a cool, I I mean, I think in general, probably on it kind of holds everybody accountable. Like you got, yep. I would imagine you have less of that now or cause it, yeah, we would see that too, where you know, you know, something's public and there's no trespassing signs because people are trying to protect their deer. What? But now you can, you know, now with a tool like Onyx, you can just clearly see that's, that's, I feel like I don't run into that as much as I used to. So yeah, you know, that could yeah. be a, could be a benefit there, but. Um, yeah, I wonder
1: if that's the reason. Yeah. Right,
0: right. It's just people understand like they're going to get, <laughs> they're going to get called out on it at some point. Exactly. But, yeah. But uh, the last thing I will—I just wanted to comment on the <clears throat> again hunting grouse without a dog. Um, if yeah. I were to give anybody advice, I'd, I would pretty much echo a lot of what you said. And I just like my—if I had a strategy, if you could call it that, it was I would go slow. I mean, you can't—you can't really go too yeah. slow yeah. down one of those two tracks. And it, you said be patient, so I was kind of nodding yeah. my head when you yeah. said that. Um, and you'll—you'll you'll hear this a lot if you do enough readings that people will tell you, you know, walk. 10 yards and stop or walk a hundred yards and stop. And that's, that's never a bad thing. I'm, I have a hard time being that patient. I I can't stand yeah. standing still. So, <laughs> so I, I would, I wouldn't necessarily, I didn't have a, a pattern of like walking and stopping, but I would try to go slow. And I, the reasoning behind that is the slower you go, the higher the odds that you're going to unsettle the rough grouse and make the bird make the first move. That's how I always thought about it. And a lot of times it'll be a subtle move, but they might take a step or they might start to cluck or in yeah. some way they might give away their position if you are don't appear to be a, a predator that's just kind of strolling through, where in that case they're going to be much more likely to just hold tight, sit still, let you go past. So the slower you go... The better your chances you have of that, and the and the grouse's first move, which would be a smart one, might be to just burst into flight and take off, and then good luck. Yeah. You know, you're it's up to you right. at that point. But sometimes they'll take a couple steps or cluck or or make some kind of a yeah. noise, and yeah. if you can get on them, I mean, you need every advantage you can if you don't have the dog. So,
1: right, that is excellent advice, um, especially on a dry day. Yeah, you're gonna be able to, you're gonna hear those leaves, and it's it's amazing how much noise their feet will make yeah. in the in the in the cover on the ground and uh, a lot of times you can even hear that driving you know driving slow down a yep. fire lane yep um I, i've hundreds of times i've heard a bird out hear my that. window <sharp> just i just yep. yep and i stop and maybe i see him and then i unload and, and try to get a shot Yep. um it's it's pretty accessible as far as uh, upland hunting goes you know um And that's going to help you learn the cover, too, just just driving through the woods. I mean, you're always going to drive a lot when you're upland hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's no different for rough grouse. And the more you drive, you're going to see birds and then kind of learn what the cover looks like uh, where you have seen them. Um, But sometimes on those cycle up years, you see them everywhere. I mean, I I remember years where we're shooting them out of the maples. And, uh, you know, just sugar maples, which is you never see them in a, in a normal yeah, year. That's, that's that not area. my,
0: my, it's not going to make the top 10 spot list of stand of sugar. Exactly. Maples, but like, right, exactly right. like you're saying on a, on an up year, they could, they could be there, but yeah, it's, that's a good point. You know, never, if you're in, just cause you're in the truck, especially if you're just starting out, I mean, never consider that wasted time or downtime. I mean, it was, uh-huh. heck, for me, it was a game to the, as soon as I saw the first, grouse standing on a forest road. I remember my dad and uncle pointing that. At, I mean, from that point forward, I mean, my sole goal riding in the passenger seat was to try to spot a grouse. And I mean, you're I got, right. I got pretty good at it to the point where I still, I mean, I, I can't help, but try to spot them on the ground. Like I just, um, I get a kick out of that.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're like me and, and come October, when you see that bird on the, on yeah. the road you everybody in the car or the truck loses their mind <laughs> but, yep. but if you see that same bird in the spring everyone goes "Ah, oh, cool grouse yeah, gross, yeah but but as soon as the season starts everybody loses their mind you know yep. <laughs> the brake the brake dust is flying off your wheels you know you're skidding to a stop uh, you're unloading you're going to try to chase it it's just it it's just the excitement of the whole thing yeah uh, it, it's wonderful
0: Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Naduski, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many Upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the Upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next Upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDIC. Yeah, there was uh there was uh, some shots in the in your opening scene on the Autumn Blaze number 9 yeah, of, uh, you got yeah. some good shots of grouse on the side of the road and stuff and so yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. That, that grouse silhouette, you know, wherever it's standing on the side of wherever it is, actually on the the last hunt that I went on on Sunday, out on snowshoes, last day of the Minnesota season, right as I got back to my truck, it was dark. It was like 4.45, so sunset 4.30, season's over, and just as I'm getting back to my truck, I hear wings, and I look, and sure enough, a grouse hopped up into a mature aspen tree filling up on buds before the sun goes down, and just all I could see was that dark silhouette against the, you know, a darkening sky. I mean, it's just, I mean, that yeah, <laughs> that fires you it's up. The,
1: it's the classic... Silhouettes, and, and I'm sure you've uh, shot at or wanted to shoot at a fern or two in your life. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. The old, <laughs> the old stick grouse. Yep.
1: Right. Been duped a, many there's, times. There's a lot of things that look like grouse in October. <laughs> Especially when you want to
0: see them that bad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we may come back to grouse a little bit, but we've been, we've been chatting here for good. I, I do want to talk to you about and it's a good segue because we're we're kind of talking about sort of hinting at new hunters and, and what people might do well something that you've done new for yeah. the first time in the last couple of years is gone out west to chase sharptails after chasing rough grouse for you know 30 plus years talk to me a little bit about your first couple trips out west and chasing sharptails what'd you expect what 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 did you find and obviously you went back for more so
1: right yeah i, I honestly i have um probably your podcast to uh to credit for it at least the interest um, you know you kind of know that it's out there or right. whatever you see magazine articles but you know f- for some reason you know you, you're you focused on um, the game that you normally hunt yep. and uh, everybody gets in that zone and you just feel like ah it's a little bit out of reach maybe it's too far or whatever but um, so last year we went to um, or 2021 I should say uh, we took a trip to North Dakota uh, my buddy and I Tom and, uh, is that the guy that you
0: went to Montana with this year too? Yep. Same guy. Okay.
1: So, uh, we, we took a short trip. Um, he travels a lot. So we had kind of a short schedule in 2021. So we really only hunted like two and a half days in North Dakota. And, um, so I scouted and I reached out to a few people on Instagram and, uh, asked some advice on areas. And, um, it was pretty wide open as far as where you want to go. it's, Basically, Western right. North Dakota is is the key, as everybody knows. Um, and uh, we ended up kind of in the southwest area of the state, and it kind of revolved around the Airbnb that I could find. Mm. You know, it, yeah. it, there's not that many. No, there aren't. <laughs> <There's>, I <I've> looked. <laughs> there's just not many places to stay, and and I was surprised calling up there that some of the hotels uh, had a no pet policy. I, I just, I was surprised, you know, because it, I had heard uh, how much accessibility was in North Dakota and we had a tough time kind of finding a hotel that would take a dog or mm. allow you to have one. So, um, we, we really didn't want to leave him in the truck. Um, so, but we found this house and, um, it was a good time. I mean, we, we learned a lot. I did a, as much scouting as I could. I, I probably scouted for three months, you know, over the summer, going e-scouting using on x dropping pins everywhere looking at the plots program um unfortunately that was the year that they they came out with the electronic posting yep and and we we really struggled nick to find a
0: place to go in the area we were there was Um, lots of electronically posted
1: yes there was there was a few plots places that we knew we could go so those were the obvious choices um, and then those places that weren't posted, you know, my hope was we'll pull up and there it, there won't be a sign and it won't be e posted. Uh, but man, I tell you, every good looking field, mm. every single one of them was posted. <laughs> yeah. So we drove a lot and we just drove all over that area. Um, we didn't go out to the national grasslands. We were we were probably an hour away from there. Um, yep. We probably should have went that way, but in that was the drought. Yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, that was the drought year. So it was, it was, I know it was way grazed over. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- conditions were tough, but we did find some birds and uh, we shot our first sharptail. So that was the the whole point of the mission, yeah, was to experience spark. it. Exactly. Um, so this year, you know, you, you kind of realize, you're like, boy, Montana's only. 150 miles more (laughs) really. It's really not that much further from, from where we were. So we just kept going a little ways. And, um, I just, the whole Montana experience for us was much better because of the accessibility. Um, the, the block management properties were just incredible. Um, just the amount of places that you could go and, and then the care that they took of the land, um, the the landowners and uh, the state land that's available the blm um, that's available it was just a lot more plentiful so to me it was a it was an easier hunt in montana uh, because of those reasons and and then you didn't have the you know uh, north dakota has a seven day season Mm -hmm. thing and you had to choose your dates not that i'm going to be there more than that but you know, it it just adds another element to the setup, sure. And your your planning. Um, yeah. And then Montana
0: Mont- is a it's a one one time fee. You get the whole season basically, right? Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: You don't have to worry about all these particulars, or you know, be a waterfowl guy with all these weird dates and stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you want to, if you wanna get a wild hair and you want to go back, or which in North Dakota you get two seven day periods, but right, like yeah. your, it's a little added complexity there. Yeah.
1: It is. Yeah. It, it's. I'm probably, you know, complicating it too much, but it does add a little bit of element there. Yeah. But, um, so we, if you know people, you know, if, if you're comfortable knocking on doors in North Dakota it would have been fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, but when we're only there for two days, two and a half days, you know, you get in a conversation with a landowner, which would be terrific. You know, that might chew up two hours, you know, some days. So we were really just trying to hit it hard at our objectives and, and get it done. So, um, so, so Montana played was, was a little bit nicer trip for us. Yeah. And the, the birds this year were just incredible numbers. So, um, we, everywhere we went, we saw birds, but, yeah, um, we, that seemed we weren't successful to kind of be everywhere,
0: the, everywhere. But the sentiment from folks was, yeah, quite a yeah. good to very good year for sharptails and and right. hunts too. How about hunts? Did you yeah. guys get into hunts?
1: Man, we just, you know, we were limited to two dogs and, so our main objective is let's focus on Sharpies. That's why we came and then we're going to treat, uh, Huns as incidental, kind of like I do woodcock in a way Mm -hmm. in the woods. And by the time we filled our bag with Sharpies, you know, our dogs are burned out. So, uh, we only, we only found a couple of coveys of Huns and we killed, I think we only killed one and, It was a little frustrating only because, you know, we picked a few spots that I thought, you know, they had uh, uh, edges of ag and um, some CRP ground and it looked like it would, it would be good cover, but we just didn't come across any coveys that reliably. So uh, we were only there four days, uh, four days of hunting. So um, that goes by quick. it does go by very, very quick. You yeah. know, you have a morning hunt and an afternoon hunt, essentially, right? Yeah. I mean, you have maybe three, if you're lucky, you might get
0: four walks in maybe. What but time typically... of, you were there in September, right? Yeah. What time yeah. of the month?
1: Uh, around the uh, 18th 20th okay so, so it that. wasn't
0: so, the very first part of the season that was super hot in montana right
1: yeah, yeah the first couple of days we were there it was it still hit about 80 yeah um so, and then it cooled off the second two days so God. we we had a, a nice cold front but yeah i saw the brutal heat uh the the couple of weeks before us yeah. and i was just kind of thankful that we chose the week we did but yeah. um you know the bad news is is um a lot of the, the BMAs uh, had already been covered quite a bit by a lot of hunters because so, sure. you got you to gotta fill out those tags. Yeah. So you, you kind of know how many people sort of have been in there, you know, just by the, the stack on the sign in box. But yeah. um, it didn't seem to hurt anything. You know, we went to some that had a lot of sign ins and we went to some that didn't have any and seemed like there was the same amount of birds. So yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, you know, they weren't pressured by the hunters as much as I thought they would have been.
0: Yeah. It's so. interesting to hear kind of your comments about the hunt. I mean, the listeners will have probably heard me like, I, one of these years, I'll probably have to just say, all right, I'm going to take two days and I'm just going to hunt huns Cause I always do the same thing. It's like, yeah. all right, you know, Here's how the day's gonna go. We're gonna go out and we're gonna chase sharp tails and if things go according to plan, we might have a limit and then we'll focus on Huns later and yeah. for one yeah. reason or another, uh whether it's heat or uh missed shots or just tougher hunting, it it just never yeah. seems to play out that way.
1: It, yeah, it everything sounds good when you plan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: yeah, over a beer yeah, the night yeah. before.
1: <laughs> right. In in July it was like it was perfect. You know, we're gonna do this, <laughs> and it's gonna be this, and then you know. Everything changes when your feet are on the ground, so yeah, uh, but you know with two dogs you're you know my obviously my advice would be have more dog power, but you know on the flip side, you can do it with limited dog power and uh, you know we had my buddy's dog was a lab, so yep. we had my short hair in his lab, and that's it. and obviously my short hair, he's doing you know ninety percent of the the footwork, and even with that one dog, we were able to fill our limits fairly easily you know um we didn't really have to walk that much either you know i I walked a lot less than i thought we'd have to yeah Uh, yeah
0: that's saying something yeah
1: but had we had more dogs we would have focused on those uh huns later in the day and i would have put more miles on my feet too um but you know we're you're not, you're not going to walk a field without your dog. At least that's my feeling. Right, so right. if they were tired, we were kind of done. And, and if we had our Sharpies, we were satisfied for the day. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of found myself smiling and nodding at one, one of the days <laughs> where you guys did fill the bags and you were, yeah. you're kind of narrating yeah. in the video, just saying, you know, kicking back and having one of the And I, I think I even wrote down, Uh, yeah. Prairie tailgating on my little notepad here. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you you commented on it. It's Uh, like, it's something about, it's the, it's early, you know, it's early in the hunting season. So you're not, you're not in mid season form, uh, you know, like super grind mode. You're just, there's something about going out for a walk putting a few birds in the bag and then kicking back to some beautiful September weather. You guys are grilling Sharpie tacos there. I mean, it's, just oh, like, man, it's <laughs> terrific. Yeah. Unbelievable.
1: And I'll give it for the sharp tacos. I got to give a shout out to Andy Taylor of steel Fort kennels. He, he had posted something about that's the way he prepares them. And I saw his post uh, shortly before we went on our trip and yeah. I, you know, we, we packed up some taco gear and off yep. we went. I'm like, they were terrific.
0: Is that because um, so I've had sharp tacos too, and that was kind of like something yeah. that I sort of inherited from some of the people that I went with. Um, is there anything special to it? Because wh- whatever and you guys nope. were doing in that that <laughs> video, it I was like it just looked so good, and I I like yeah. I like tacos, I like Mexican food. I mean. Give me a taco and, and a couple beers, I'm like I'm I'm pretty happy guy. But it, it looked damn good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the avocado kind of pushed him over that the edge. That was you know? that looked like
0: was, a key ingredient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. There was a
1: really great grocery store um, where we're staying that just had a lot of fresh uh, ingredients. So we were just we were just piling them in. yeah i love that (laughs) i I mean we just stuffed ourselves you know like i said in the video i think we cooked probably six or seven birds
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, nothing like a well-earned meal at that point
1: yeah it was it was terrific but yeah you're right about the tailgating just that's the thing too is is and this is a this is a bad thing with video because you always feel like you're in a hurry you're always you know, to a certain degree, you're trying to get the shot. Right. And so that's part of the hunt and it's always in your mind. Um, You really have to just slow down and shut up and just relax. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, that's my advice for any hunting now, but especially out West, it was like, man, make sure you have that last hour before the sun goes down just to sit back and enjoy it. You know, I don't like to hunt all the way up to sunset anyways, you know, because I got to clean birds or whatever in the dark. I don't I don't prefer to do that. So I kind of like that last hour of the day just to kind of chill out and and have a
0: beer. And, you know, yeah, there was another part, too, where it may have been it was your buddy, Tom was sort of, you were, you were recording him as he was recapping the hunt, which is, it's just a natural thing. You know, you go Dude. out for a walk with your buddies, you get back to the truck and you're breaking things down. And he, he was making like arm gestures <laughs> and like, you know, and I'm just, it's I'm my just, favorite part. I'm smiling yeah. ear to ear because that is, I mean, that yeah. is the stuff that like, like my buddy Ted summer and like he, we just, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we get into, you know, like that's, that is the most fun part about it. Like somebody's it tell, telling a story like that. So I, and and it's not like you want to have a camera a camera on someone's face for all of that for a whole trip, but I just I just thought that one moment was really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really liked that. He he was uh you know I think his family enjoyed it too to make fun of him a little bit too. But uh,
0: <laughs> but
1: I will say uh, thank you to Ted. He he gave me some good advice too That's the last cool. couple of years on Sharp Tail. So yeah, yep. um, he was he was pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the, and the, what was the uh, your buddy Tom? the gun was given to him by his dad and the gun was like made the year he was born or something cool. like Yeah. That. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's an old wing master. His yep. dad just passed away two years ago, kind of unexpectedly. And, um, you know, so Tom inherited a lot of guns and that was one of them. So you now he pulled it out. I thought, well, you know, 30 inch choke, full, full choke, uh, Let fixed it rip. <laughs> choke. maybe not, maybe not the best, uh, <laughs> Perry gun, but you know, he, He's pretty accurate. Tom's pretty good shot.
0: So he, that was apparent in the video. <laughs> yeah, he he made it work. It, um, he's always been a pretty good shot. So yeah, that's really. Good. And you've, you you he's you he mentioned we he's one of your high school buddies.
1: Yeah, we've yeah. man, we've known each other for forever since maybe freshman sophomore year of high school. So yeah. we've we've kind of sort of been hunting ever since. He was he was kind of in a in a waterfowl for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, and that's why he had the labs, but he's been more into upland, I'd say the last, you know, five, 10 years now. Um, so.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I am mean, not everybody has that luxury depending on kind of how, and when you find your way into hunting, but yeah, if right. you, if you've got old buddies like that, I mean, that's just, it's just cool. I'd one, one buddy of mine, I've known him since kindergarten. I mean, he was, that was the best man at his wedding and we've, mm-hmm. we've, we still grouse hunt together now. We, we get out once or twice a uh, once or twice a season. I went up to his place once this year, but a lot of memories going back. He's going back to the days of I. I know I've said this before when we literally used to ride our mountain bikes around with wrist rockets around Duluth. <laughs> We weren't very successful, but we could, we right, could find them. Right. We could find them, but I don't think yep. I ever killed one with a wrist rocket. I was close. That would
1: be, that'd be something. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I
0: had, I had about every
1: wrist rocket they made, I think. You know, God, but, those
0: things were sweet, though.
1: I mean, the Ace Hardware down the street sold them. They had a whole rack of wrist rockets, and I would go in there and just stare at them.
0: <laughs> Gosh, they're. I mean, yeah. They're, they can be dangerous, though. I I, ne- <laughs> I never th- I never thought about the danger when I was a young kid shooting that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I now mean, I we... think about giving it to one of my sons. I'm just like, geez, that's I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a pretty big yard, so I, I would just stay away from the house when I was a kid, you yeah. know, and, and, and shoot it away from the house. But you know, maybe it's a little different now with a smaller yard. You might break a window or two.
0: <laughs> uh, that's funny. I did write down too. This was just since we're kind of laughing here, I wrote down a direct quote from you in your video which was no how the hell did i miss that one (laughs) Just said no bird hunter ever right (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: the most repeated phrase there is in in, in the uplands i mean some of those shots it's like did i shoot right through what is there a hole in my pattern What, what is going on you know i mean i've had just hundreds of times like that, it doesn't matter what bird it is, like woodcock, grouse, sharp tail, you know what the heck is going on? It was there salt loaded in that thing, or you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was it was heavy, it had
0: something in it, but I don't know if it was lead, you know, so yeah I love it i i know i've I've had at least one person this is just coming to me this was when we were younger, a buddy of mine said that he said he shot and missed a grouse, and the guy that he was. He was hunting with a an older guy and the guy that he was hunting with said it must have been a dud shell and I I th- I think it's one of those things where at the time I literally took him at his word but thinking back I'm like yeah. that must have just been the guy trying to make him feel better about it right right <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah,
1: I mean it can happen. I used to load my own, so I used to shoot trap league for quite a few years right. and, and loaded. And obviously, you'll have some in that case uh, where the BBs just kind of roll out of the barrel. But I have heard it's that it's yeah. It's 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 tough to use that excuse when everybody heard it go bang <laughs> <Exactly>. and, <laughs> and the auto loader cycled and everything. Right. Oh boy, I can't I can't cover this up. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, so two years of of hunting sharp tails if you, if you had any advice to give any sort of like, you know, top like keys that have, that have sort of led to yeah. success for you. Uh, Cause I, I mean, I saw that some of the cover in, in your video this year. I mean, you, you can, it's, it's more subtle maybe than, than the grouse woods, but you can really yeah. pick up on, on what that cover looks like pretty quick. I feel like.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, in, in 2021, we had, we had really no idea but right. but the number one tool again is going to be on It it's honestly it wouldn't have been a trip without it um you know there's other resources that you could find these yeah. properties um it they just package it so nice mm-hmm. and and that that's if you're not using it especially on a first time trip you know you're probably wasting your time but um but yeah pulling up to the property and as a bird hunter, you kind of have an idea of what it should look like anyway, to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of guesswork because, you know, this whole, the depth of the grass, is it, is it below your shin? Is it, you know, some of the cover we were in too turned thin, out to be too fe-
0: thick, too
1: thick, you know, yeah, we yeah. found pheasants and then, you know, and I kind of know what pheasant cover looks like. And, and and I know on Tyler's podcast, he always says, you know, if it looks like pheasant cover, it probably is, you yeah, know. And yeah. so you, you kind of quickly, you can at least eliminate the pheasant cover and and look elsewhere. Um, but what really surprised me was the stuff that looked like there was almost no cover still held birds. Yep. You know, it, I was like, how can there be a bird? There is nothing here. And, and I was just amazed that... The diversity that those birds will live in. Yeah. Um, it, it was really surprising to me. Yeah. And then they they also did the opposite. You know, we we expecting pheasant. There's a couple scenes like that in the video, where we're expecting to see a rooster or a hen come out of there, and a sharp tail pops out, and it's like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, so you're just kind of shaking your head sometimes, but. You know, it's it's all part of the experience and and learning and yeah, um, you know eventually you're going to hit that eighty twenty rule and you're going to look for that eighty mm-hmm. percent uh, cover and you're just going to exploit it. You know, it, there's still going to be birds in that twenty percent cover, but you know you're going to kind of learn what that eighty percent looks like pretty quick.
0: Yeah, 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 that's a good way to put it. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. I mean you can take a step back and just kind of these are native birds they've been here a long long time like they yeah. they figured out how to use this stuff and they're going to use right. every piece of it to their advantage when they need right. to but like you said when you pointed out like that's as bird hunters that's kind of what we're doing we're sort of high grading you know we're we're looking for concentrations of birds in specific habitat and and then you're trying to repeat that pattern over and over again that's that's what exactly. we Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah another sur- another surprising uh, thing was the metal larks and, and how much scent was on oh, those yeah. birds.
0: Yeah. I was amazed. You so know, I mean of, he a lot of points on those.
1: All the time. Yep. And it just fool, it fooled my short hair Sawyer, you know, i I don't countless times. It's like uh I was just shocked that they provided that much scent. Yep. <laughs> for for him to point. it was just a really a surprise, you know. Because they get up and we're like, what the hell is that thing? Yep. You know, and then you, you kinda realize I think that was a metal lark, you know, cuz you kind of hear yeah, you, know, you hear hear about them, but you don't really expect a dog to point one. Yeah, obviously that's not the case. So,
0: Isn't it weird like sometimes I I don't know if it was the first year. I think it probably was the first year my dog Hartley, that he was the only one I had at the time, just went I mean, he pointed so many metal larks. I was like I was, you know, what yeah. in the like what are You're these right. things, you know? And and then you figure it out, but it's weird sometimes like if the meadowlark is, if it's, let's say it's a little bit windy and the meadowlark is just far enough away, or maybe the way the light is, you know, you're like, was well, that a sharp tail? Oh, it was a meadowlark. Exactly. You know, like it can be yeah, all yeah. kind of confusing. I mean, I never to the point where I was taking a shot at a meadowlark or anything, but it can just kind of, right. your heart kind of skips a beat when, when you see that bird get up at, at times. Yep. And, yep. and like I, you said, there's I, a lot of them out there.
1: I would say we saw them in every field. Yeah, where you know we saw some fields we didn't see any sharpies at all, but mm-hmm. we saw metal larks everywhere we went. You know, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was like man, these things are just abundant. I yeah. didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, I actually I had a guy reach out to me one time. He was he was suggesting that he has he lives in an area where there's not a lot of wild birds, but they have meadow larks and he's kind of like got a lot of training in on meadow larks. And he was oh, yeah, sort that of, would be great. Yeah, suggesting like that it, they could be used as a tool. But I, I would wonder, I don't remember getting into this with him, but if you, if you did that too much, then all of a sudden you go out to North Dakota and then you're, are you encouraging your dog to point every day dang one of those things? I don't know. But. True. True. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a good
1: point. Yeah. yeah, We have some around here where I live, but, Nothing like I saw out there. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we are, we're getting close here. I want to, I want to just, let's talk under 40 yards a little bit. Like, I think we, we maybe sure. sort of glazed over it at the beginning, but like, what was the, what was the inspiration for starting it? And then how has, how have, you know, has your enjoyment and cause it's, you know, it's a hobby, like you said, but what's yeah. uh, the channel's evolved and it's getting better and better.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Um, well, it started, uh, my what I consider my first bird dog, even though I had that short hair when I was a kid, yeah. um, he ended up getting killed by a car mm. um, when he was, I think seven, maybe um, just because he was a wild man, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, we didn't have good control on him, but so fast forward through college, I didn't have a dog. Um, I got uh, married, a young family. We didn't have a dog. My wife was always a dog person. And uh, growing up, she always had dogs. And so she was working on me for a few years. And um, and I thought, well, if we're going to get a dog, it has to be a bird dog of some sort. And I had a friend that sort of, he had like a half vishla, half lab, I think it was. Um, it, it was an unusual mixture, but I had hunted behind it. And I kind of liked its mannerisms, even though it wasn't a pure red vishla. It definitely had that blood in it. And um, so I got curious about the breed and it turns out where I live in the Rockford area, there's a, a a nationally known Bichla breeder here. And so we made a phone call one day and we went to visit I took our two little girls with us and uh, they had two litters of puppies on the ground. Um, They were already spoken for, of course, but uh, we walked in to meet him and his kennel and and discuss things. And, and um, I remember him telling me the price,
0: <laughs> and it
1: was, <laughs> I was shocked because I, I'm from a world of you know I got my short hair for free, yeah, uh, from my uncle. I know a guy that got one for 400 bucks. You know, I, I knew that that wasn't realistic going to a breeder. Sure. Yeah you know, but but he's you know at the time he said, well these are two thousand dollars, and I said, holy cow, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a lot of money, and and I and that's because that particular litter was from. Uh, the sire was, uh, uh the winningest vishla of all time, ah. uh, the most titled Vishla in the country. And so he, they were getting a premium for those, but I said, well, what's, what's your normal puppy cost? <laughs> He's like, ah, you know, I think it was 1500 at the time. And, um, so we started discussing and he had all these dogs were spoken for and he said um are you going to hunt with them i said well of course i'm going to hunt with them it was kind of this weird question to me Uh, but a lot of visual owners i didn't know this at the time were you know a good portion are not hunters and that's true of any breed but i think particularly this breed maybe a little bit more than others and so when he heard that, he, he literally crossed someone's name off the list and put mine on. No kidding. <laughs> and I thought, holy cow, I just came here to look at the dog and get a feel for it. And here I'm on the list. Yeah. And, uh, and so here's the dog. And I think at the time they were only, you know, five weeks old or something. So we came back three weeks later and um, we had the dog. And uh, all right, I, I shouldn't say that we ended up getting on the next litter that he they yeah. had up upcoming. So we got him later in the spring. So that's kind of what started because I had this dog. I wanted to do the training as correctly as I could because I knew my childhood short hair was not done properly or at all. Um, and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to experience that. Right. So the first thing we did is we put a fence around our yard. Yeah. Um, some, something I didn't have when I was a kid. Um, I got to keep the dog contained more than, um, more than anything. Um, and we're going to do it the right way. So, you know, the cost of the dog is, is small compared to everything else. Right. Right. You know, that fence cost me way more than the dog did. (laughs) So, so, you know, if anyone's looking at getting a dog, it's like the, the price of the dog is is nothing compared to, you know, what
0: you're going to get yourself. I I got a fence now that I didn't have before I got bird dog. So I know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I, I hated
1: fences. Like I just, I don't, I don't like them, but you know, we had to get one. So, um, so I started like using my cell phone to record things like, you know, everybody does. Yep. And um, the, the guy that I got the Vishla from, he also ran a put and take right there on his property. So he had a couple hundred acres of, of land and you could buy birds from him right there and um, learn a little bit from him. He had a pigeon coop so you could train with his birds and you could run year round if you wanted to. So for a new dog guy it was perfect for me i mean he's less than an hour away i would drive over there every weekend and i'd run the dog and i just kind of start recording things with my phone and then we go on on hunts i would buy a few birds and we'd hunt out there And I just used my cell phone and I I shot one handed for a while, believe it or not, yeah, (laughs) you know, trying to do this ridiculous thing with my phone, you know, so I could, I don't know. So I could show my buddies, like, look, look what we did, you know, and I'm holding my phone and I'm shooting, I'm left-handed shot and I'm shooting with my left hand and, and I'm knocking birds. (laughs) I got pretty good at shooting one handed. So um, it kind of went from there and I, I took the videos off the phone and I started um, I'm always been into computers. I'm an engineer by trade and, okay. and I'm actually, I'm a software engineer. So I'm always into computers anyway. So I started learning video editing and, and it's just kind of progressed and progressed. And um, I thought, well, maybe we should put some of this on YouTube. So I started putting it just for friends and families. I'd send them a private link yep. uh, just because the, the platform works good for sharing video. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I didn't put anything published. And at the time it wasn't branded under 40 yards. So I started thinking about, you know, what could, what could I call it? And um, you know, under 40 yards comes to mind because I said I shot trap for so many years. And, and if you're a shotgun guy, you're, you're typically working, under 40 yards that's your that's your sweet spot your range so i thought it sounded kind of cool for a channel so i branded it that and and then just started kind of running with it and you know my buddies kind of got involved for uh, a while and and tom still is and uh, we just have fun with it and you just kind of you've seen the youtube video quality just get better and better you know i think at the at the time there wasn't a lot out there and I will give some credit and I know the Heller brothers have been on your show many times yep. and, uh, their video that, uh, the consummate sportsman did JB back in the day was like the eye opener for grouse hunting for me. I was like, yeah, somebody did a grouse video. And I, I know you've seen this video, yep, yep. Nick, you know, I'm sure you've seen a hundred times, but that video was like, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can do I need to do a grouse video, you know, cause at that time I was just doing the put and take stuff. Right. And you know, where I live, there are no wild birds pretty much. So it, you're, you're stuck with put and take. So when I saw that video, I thought, man, this is, I gotta, I gotta try this. So
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, you I, I monkeyed around you can with call some that cheap... a classic at this point. <laughs> it
1: is. It's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic one. I still watch it. I I watched it, I don't know, a few months ago again, but yeah. That's um, great. it's uh You know, I I monkeyed around with cheap cameras, too, for a while, like some GoPro knockoffs, because I was too cheap to buy one. You know, they were still, you know, (laughs) $400 or $300. Like, holy cow, I got to give $300 for this thing. And so I, I buy some knockoff thing for 50 bucks, and it was total piece of junk and so meanwhile I recommend... you got
0: two thousand dollar dogs and you're putting up fences. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah
1: I'm like what am i doing playing around with this uh, you know the computer you're editing on is worth a lot of money <laughs> right, and, and right. you know here i am mucking around with a stupid camera that the yeah. battery life was like 10 minutes you know yeah so i finally got that that gopro was the difference and and to this day i still think GoPros is probably the best choice uh yeah although there's some there's definitely some a lot better choices now than there was some years ago. Yeah, um, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with GoPro and me,
0: but Yep. <laughs> yep, and I know you, you know. and I have talked about that a lot and I've heard it from others right. and and right. I will say after having the 4 and then jumping in my next one was the 9, I think I was expecting like almost a flawless experience and yeah. it was yeah. not like there are there are glitches, things will happen, right. you'll lose a video. And, I mean, I'm sort of like, again, it's just, they're packing a lot of technology into a tiny little camera that needs right. to be waterproof. Right. And, I mean, they're doing so much with these cameras. Like, it just, yeah. you, you get That's it. That's exactly but, right. Um, yeah, it's they're not, they're not perfect, but, yeah.
1: You're asking a lot out of that little device. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, you know, I've learned to, I learned my way around its quirks, and it's, it's been pretty reliable for me, yep. um, especially the nine, because they, they have that feature the hindsight feature, which mm-hmm. is a game changer for me because as an Upland hunter in the past, if anyone's tried this, I'm, I'm sure there, there is somebody in the audience, you're yep. always recording because you never know what's going to happen. Correct. So what happens at the end of the day is you have just, I would come home from a grouse trip with 200 gig of video. And i you have to cut all of that down to a ten minute video. Yep. you spend all your time cutting and editing, and that is the the single biggest roadblock to taking videos is is what do you do with it yeah, when you're actually have it.
0: doing something with it, yep,
1: yeah, and even with the hindsight feature, still the same problem it's just less of a problem Correct. so. You know I, I know a lot of people a lot of my friends have bought gopros and they wear it for a couple seasons and it ends up in a drawer because yep. what am i going to do with all this footage that's the hard part honestly shooting is the easy part yes uh editing is where you're going to spend your time and yep. and if you want to get better at it it just takes more time to get better at it and and it's going to get frustrating and that if you do it too much, you're going to burn yourself out too. So yeah, I really, I really try to pace myself and, and not overdo the amount of, you know, don't take it too seriously. um, Right. But, but do it enough to, to keep your passion kind of going and, and you won't get burned out because there's, you know, a lot of channels have come and gone over the years. And, Mm -hmm. and I know what happens. It's like, man, it's a lot of work. And if you do it too much, you're just like, man, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah,
0: Yep. (laughs) So yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, the one thing that I try to, again, we talked about it here, too, is, like, whether or not you have any interest in this at all, like, you don't have to have the end goal in mind that, hey, I'm going to have a YouTube channel, I'm going to put this stuff yeah, up there. Yeah. I mean, like, I've, I'm capturing stuff, and I'm kind of, I'm still working out my system, but I this year I decided I am going to, I'm just kind of buying external hard drives. we got yeah, pretty yeah. good economical, like, solid state hard drives and you put stuff on there you can edit from those drives which i have not tried yet but that was a that was a big selling point for me was okay now i don't have to move stuff around like i've got a 2022 hunting season external hard drive that i just dumped everything on and who maybe i will won't go in there for 10 years but then 10 years from now i could go in there and oh my gosh remember this hunt in north dakota you know like just i don't know it's just there like it's I guess it's something that I decided to start dabbling in and others haven't. Like we talked about before, I mean, how far away from are we from us having like a contact lens that just records everything we're looking at anyway? You know, like that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like.
1: And choosing what you want from it.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. I think so.
1: But yeah, file, file management is a key Mm -hmm. into in video editing and, um, you know, the, the GoPro is just one aspect for me. Now I also carry a mirrorless camera right. on my person as well. So a lot of the B-roll and things like you, you see on my channel, I'm shooting with a, uh, a mirrorless interchangeable lens camera. Yep. Um, so that adds a, no, a whole other, you know, if you think a GoPro is expensive. <laughs>
0: right, right. You know,
1: you can get yourself in a, a, some big trouble with, with the mirrorless systems. But, yep. um, you know, the one I use is... Uh, is I think that probably the best value out there in my opinion, but that technology is, is getting better and better by the minute as well. Right. Um, But it just gives that, you know, a little bit more immersive story than only the POV GoPro can give you. Right. It's just um, you're going to get some of that, to me, it's just more emotional. I think you know yep, yep. if that's kind of a silly yeah, word. It gives to you use, mo- but. gives
0: you more of the feels, more of the vibe. And I will I will say like yeah. that's kind of the one thing that ha- I think has prevented me from doing a whole. I've taken some clips and I've shared my clips a little bit, but I look at a video like what you're doing, and I just really appreciate how you kind of set the stage with some of that B-roll, and you yeah. know that that's like. I, I guess I'm I'm not I'm just sort of speaking in generalities here like from my assessment but like that's like filmmaking 101 you know you do a little right. b-roll yep. set the stage then you jump into the action but I just look at that and be like that's you know that's a well done video and I don't really want to do necessarily anything less than that now I'm kind of like I'm kind of putting up a yeah. barrier in my mind because you got to start somewhere Um, yes you didn't do autumn blaze number nine was not your first video you know it's (laughs) no you're getting better and better at it because you're you're working at it so
1: right right i I 100% agree it's just um you you just can't it's just like you're hunting right you want to do better at your craft and um a, a new pc like i just i bought i invested in a new pc last month and um it's it's so much better than my previous machine you know it's like when you upgrade your hardware yeah and as a software guy you know i do this for a living why i waited i think i probably waited a year or two too long on my old machine but um a a good pc just makes life so much easier um editing big files and if you're going to get into 4k you know you're going to have another hurdles yep more hurdles to cross, you're going to need more storage. You're going to have huge files. So I still don't shoot in 4k. I don't. Are you,
0: are you still doing 2.7 K?
1: Yeah. On the, on the GoPro, I do 2.7. Um, but I still render everything out in 1080 because, um, I use the 2.7 so I can have a little bit of zoom if yep. I need it yep. and not lose the quality. So you know you you're already halfway there, Nick. Well, yeah, and I got of, I got those
0: and, tips from you and stuff. And we yeah we were talking frame yeah. and like the frame rate thing. That's an interesting one because it it's is, important yeah. for upland hunting because you get that slow mo and these birds fly fast, right. and the, so the more frame yeah. rate. But if you if you get up to 120 or Two fo- The frame rate will really increase your file size as well, just like jumping up in resolution. So
1: and it, it'll increase your exposure and your ISO. So yeah. I typically shoot in sixty frames. That's where okay. I limit it. You can you can get good um, slow mo with sixty frames. So if you're rendering out in thirty frames, for example, um, you know a sixty frame is uh, you can get a fifty. 50- Look smooth, but you can really okay. go down to like a 30% and still get a smooth slow motion that you know you're kicking out 15 or 18 frames a second or whatever.
0: So, any of um, the slow mo shots I see in your videos were done at 60 were
1: filmed in 60 okay. and probably cut to like uh you know 30%. Okay, so you're talking you know 17 18 frames is probably what they're playing back at. Okay, so if you start getting below 15 frames per second. Um, you choppy. know, that, that it's going to get choppy yeah. and, and, and sometimes you can't avoid that. Sure. Um, and that's, and a lot of times it's okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to, you know, be a detriment, but oftentimes I, and I made the same mistakes when I was first starting, I would want like a 10% slow-mo, right? So yeah. I wanted as slow as possible Well, the, the frame rate, you know, there's not enough information there to make it look good. Yeah. And you end up making it look worse the slower you go. So you know it's it's just one of those things that you learn.
0: You play around, and with I it. think yep.
1: yeah, and I think 60 frames is a good compromise because if you start if you shoot at 120 frames. Uh, the sensor has to use uh, more ISO to get the exposure, right? Because the sh- the shutter is just running faster. Mm. Um, so it's going to change the way if you're shooting in low light, for example, like in the evening yep. in the woods, it can get pretty dark. So you get in the a woods. lot of low
0: light shots in the woods. Yep. Exactly. And a lot of that is like some of the best hunting too, towards the end of the day. Right. Like yeah.
1: Right. So even at 60 frames, I get a lot of kind of weird ghosting with the GoPro. Okay. But if I were running 120 frames, it's it's going to be even worse. So, you know, there's a compromise. If you shoot 30 frames, you're you're good, but you're just not going to be able to slow it down and, and right. give those nice slow mo replays. You right. know that that everybody kind of likes to see. Yeah, you know, yep.
0: yeah, it's it's so yeah, that's it's so cool to play something in real time. You know, just to give give you the sense of like, holy, that happened fast. Yeah. You know, and then you slow yes. it down and you give yeah. it that look, and you can maybe see where the bird's coming out of. You know, I love that. Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. That I just learned something though. That's that's good to know. I I I yeah. pretty much have shot in one twenty, like ten eighty p one twenty. I was using looping yeah. mode a lot this year. Um, yeah. I will. Uh, I'm gonna make a note of that and play around with uh, sixty. That's a
1: good mode. Try sixty and maybe it, it works better in low light and yeah. those evening haunts for yep. you.
0: And based on what you're saying, like I might, you know, I just was making the general assumption, oh, I get 120, I'll get better slow-mo, but maybe I won't even notice it that much. So,
1: Yeah, I don't know that you will. Yeah. 120 will definitely give you better if you really want that. Um, but, you know, you're using more space too, as you know, you're using more yep. battery. The yep. whole the whole thing gets just more, yep. more damaging to your time, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll I will uh, I'll probably I'll warn listeners in the intro to the show that it towards the end we get pretty uh pretty technical. Um, but yeah, I know some yeah. people will be interested. But um, right. what's there, your there might be
1: four of them? Yeah, exactly. What's
0: <laughs> your what's your gear setup? We've kind of covered a lot of it, but just yeah. basically in the field recording, and this has come up. It came up with Nick. We talked about the external battery pack. I got that recommendation yeah. from you. But just walk us through it real quick.
1: Sure. So I wear a um i'm shooting my pov with a gopro 9 yep. um i'll probably next year go with the 12 when it comes out okay. like I, said, I go every three yep. um i have an external battery pack that i wear on my headgear so i do everything head mount yep. um i've tried chest mount i don't like that viewpoint it you know you're obstructed most of the time with the gun or yep. your chest turns away from your face you don't even see the shot so yep. to me um chest mount is you know it, i think it's good for skiing or something like yeah, that but for
0: biking maybe or right yeah,
1: exactly yeah. but it's not good for hunting so the head mount is the best um like i say i have an external pack and it's it's basically taped to my headgear yeah and it's in in the back so and the reason for that is i've tried you know the long cord i think that you run one from your yeah from your vest all the way up to your to your hat the only reason I don't is because it it gets tangled on some trees sometimes. Yep. Um, And a lot of times if I'm shooting my B-roll with my big camera, I want to quickly take off my GoPro Mm -hmm. because I, I just have this, I don't like to have it on my head when I'm shooting. I'm
0: totally with you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I
1: just don't, I just don't (laughs) like to have it sitting there when I'm doing like a vlog type, you know, thing. Um, So I want to be able to, quickly get it on and off. Um, and then on my side, I'm, I'm carrying, uh, my mirrorless camera and I shoot, uh, a micro four thirds format camera. So it's much more compact than, uh, like a big full frame camera. And typically they have, uh, very good stabilization built in where full frame cameras typically do not. And for video, Micro four thirds, if anybody knows anything about cameras, uh, they'll recognize that they're they're a little bit better for video. You know, it's a three hour debate with anybody, but um, for for me, it's I don't have to carry a backpack full of equipment that's so big yeah. if I was going to shoot full frame. So I, I shoot micro four thirds and um, it's it has all the lens options that I need to do the job. And it's very good on pretty good on battery life. And I, I can fit it in my in my vest pockets, so that's the key. And also carry a couple of lenses with me if I want to uh, do some more tight, tight shots or, um, you know, bigger aperture type lens for yeah. some uh, artsy looking shots. You know.
0: On the GoPro side of things, external battery yeah. pack. Do you have a ten thousand yeah. milliamp or whatever? What do you run?
1: It's you know? uh, I'm actually running a six thousand, okay, um, which I like because it's light enough where I don't really know that yeah, it's there you got too yours much up
0: on your head. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, the problem with the six thousands now is that you almost can't find them. I think they, mm. most of them start at 10,000 because really the cell phones that people use these to charge with their batteries are getting so big that these external packs are growing with them in capacity so typically you know your cell phone has a 5,000 milliamp battery you want two charges out of it with an external pack so they're selling a 10,000 all the time and and i'm i have a tough time finding a 6,000 so mine's mine's pretty old i've had that same pack for I bet five years. They now. were. I mean, they,
0: I, they are, you know, they don't seem to go bad for as much as you no, charge them and great. use them. It's, yeah. yeah. Yep. I but, have an
1: older one. It's even older. It's probably <laughs> closer to 10 years old and it's still working. You know? And so you're so. using
0: a GoPro 9. Would you say you essentially, yeah. you're getting basically all day or all hunt battery on that thing?
1: Yep. Yeah. I never, never
0: run out of battery. Yeah. Um, I had somebody ask me, they sent me a message today at, on Instagram saying mm. they were looking at the 10 because that's what I had linked to and they were like should i get the 20 and i just said no um i like very rarely like do i hunt for you know i'm not hunting eight hours you know i would say most days yeah, exactly. my actual hunt time is probably like four hours or less i have hunted yep, longer yep. than that but i never have battery trouble. and i just what i told this individual is you probably would be better off buying Two ten thousand 10,000 packs, then one twenty. just to, so you could have one charging and one, I mean, if you want two, like I, I got three of right. these things now, I bought them for different purposes and, um, they just come in really handy outside of this yeah, whole GoPro right, thing. Right. But I mean, when you simply look at the cost of one extra GoPro battery, it's, it just becomes a no brainer. Like for mm-hmm. what we're doing. I mean, if you have to have, if you're using, like many people use GoPros, on a surfboard or something you know you you don't want to have a battery pack but for what we're doing it just makes too much sense to use that external pack
1: the most difficult part i'm sure you know is is the routing of the cable and getting the right uh 90 degree um yep basically usb fittings or adapters to to make the cabling work out because gopro doesn't you know, they didn't really think about us. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I don't think when they designed that camera. So you have to do a little monkeying and experimenting with these adapters and getting the cabling right. But yep. um, once you do, it's I, – I never worry. The only time I worry about batteries is if I forgot to plug in my external. Right. And I, the next day I go to hunt and I go, oh, you know, shit, I yeah. forgot to plug it in. But yeah. outside of that, never have trouble. Even in the cold weather, mm-hmm. it, it's, yep. it's limited. It You know, degrades some, but it's still – still plenty plenty of power yeah 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 so ten thousand will take you easily
0: right easily all day you know what do you what do you edit on at home the not necessarily the pc like you know good high power pc obviously but yeah software what do you edit with
1: i use um davinci
0: resolve okay
1: it's um i've used uh you know quite a few over the years um but resolve to me is is the best option out there there's a they have a free version that you know this is you know, it competes with uh, uh, Adobe, Adobe Premiere. Yeah. It, it's at the same level, but they have much better price point and pricing that you can get, and not be fixed with the monthly payment that mm-hmm. Adobe wants. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's the that's the biggest key. So, Resolve to me is 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 the best out there, in my opinion. But. Yeah. Okay so
0: cool man well tell us where we can go to what under 40 yards on youtube that's that's where it's all at right it's on youtube um i'm also on instagram
1: if you want to follow along there i've got you know i'm i'm getting more into photography in the last couple years so you'll see you know some photography there that that i enjoy doing and i'm using the same mirrorless camera that i'm that i'm videoing with but um yeah i really enjoy the stills aspect too because you can um for one, it's much easier. Um, I don't want to offend anybody, but but taking stills is easier than doing videos. So, you know, if you want, if you want to quit a quick upload, um, you know, to do it right, obviously I don't, I'm not at a skill level that's anywhere near right. these guys that are out there, but right. if you want to get some pretty good, pretty good content, photos are good, but um, Instagram really trying to move towards a, a video platform right. more and more, but, right. um, I still enjoy the, the photo photography aspect of the platform. So, you know, to me, the videos for YouTube and yeah. other spaces, but.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just with the aspect for it. That's a, I get hung up on that all the times. Like I got these, got these cool videos and it's like, well, Instagram kind of wants them upright, like a cell phone. And yeah, Yeah. Yeah. to the point where even GoPros, you know, they, they increase the image sensor on the 11 now, so you can kind of crop and make it for a cell phone. It's it's (laughs) it's ridiculous, but I get it. Yeah. I
1: end up, essentially I end up upscaling my reels because, you know, they're, they're they're 1080 but in the other direction so yeah. now your 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 height is is 1920 so yeah. you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to upscale unless you're shooting in 4k then you can crop it and not lose any quality but yeah. um you know that just takes a lot of effort <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but i do like the real format it, it's kind of fun because yes. it's yep. i like making them because they're you know you can do them pretty quickly you know i don't have to spend too much time and i, I also do that with resolve i don't I don't use the Instagram app to do that. So
0: I was wondering that I I assumed that was a, that was a possibility. I have, it's a, that's a rabbit hole I have yet to go down and, and I'm thinking about, but yeah, it's good to know.
1: I I get frustrated with the little screen and trying to use their tooling on there. It's, It's not great. So.
0: Well the two English setters have decided that this podcast needs to end. I don't know you know they, you know how dogs are they get in their head they're up pacing around and Rose has the squeaky toy so I suppose yeah, yeah. We've, we've chatted long enough Dave. I, I really do appreciate it. It was fun to connect on this and I will no doubt keep picking your brain from time to time about camera stuff and and bird hunting but I appreciate you taking Absolutely. some time to come on and chat with us here on the bird chat podcast.
1: Nick it was a great time I mean always always a pleasure to talk to you and especially a fellow grouse hunter you know it's a there's no way I'm going to say no
0: (laughs) (laughs) well right back at you buddy I appreciate it thank you for joining us on this episode hang on for just a second that does it for this episode of the birdshot podcast Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well.
1: We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out
0: It yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.